I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, or one-size-fits-all quick-fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. Welcome to the In the Red podcast with Anthony Hart. I do want to say thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for being a part of these conversations as we move forward. I want to invite you to like, download, and review the podcast. Share it with someone. Invite somebody else into the conversation. And today, I don't have any guests. I don't really have a topic of focus other than the question of how did we get here? Just days away from another school shooting. I get on social media today and I've been watching over the last few days since the event occurred and I'm just inundated with agenda, agenda, agenda. I'm inundated with questions, 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 and inundated with hurt, hurt, hurt. And I'm even inundated with a lot of prayers, prayers, prayers. See, regardless of where you sit on the spectrum today, I, I feel like we've been here before. It's not the first school shooting we've had in America. It's not the first time we've questioned gun control. It's, it's not the first time we've seen this horrific accident, not even an accident, horrific event play out in front of us through the news media. And we're all programmed. We're all placed in a moment to choose a side. Most sides driving us further away from one another. So I pose this question again, how did we get here? How did we get here? How do we get to such a place where there really is no in-between? There really is no place where we can come to the table and talk. At the moment something like this happens, we're driven to our corners. We're pushed to our space and we surround ourselves with people who look like us, act like us, sound like us, who only push us further into what our beliefs or our opinions are. See, I want to share some things with you about myself today. I am a gun owner. I was raised, born and raised in Arkansas around guns. My dad was an avid hunter. I I didn't do enough. I wish I could go back and do more with my dad when I was a kid. I was never a early riser and still am not, which is amazing since I joined the military and was forced for 21 years to get up early. It's hard for me to get up early in the morning. So I wish I could go back and push myself to get out of bed and spend more time in those spaces. My dad's still with us today, but it's just moments I look back and I wish I could have shared. But there was, when it comes to guns, there was something that I learned early on, and that was respect for those weapons. Being a pastor's son, I also learned a respect for the human life. So at no point in my history have I ever thought about picking up a weapon, picking up the weapon that's in my home, that's in my bedroom, 
near our bed that is there for safety of our family. Have No point have I ever said, I can't wait for someone to come in my house and I get a chance to drop three bullets at them or whatever. And no point have I ever looked forward to that moment that someone decides to come to my house to, and infringe upon my personal space and try to attack my family and I get the opportunity to pull the trigger on something. At no point in my life have I ever desired, even being military for 21 years, have I ever had the desire to take a life. So guns aren't the problem. I know the way we access guns are a problem. I think that's what we have to talk about. The The first thing that happens, we have an NRA uh, meeting coming up this week. It's just how it works out. It seems in, in the history of man that these, these moments converge on one another. And I know the case, the conspiracy theories are going to be out there now, but I don't even focus on that. I want us to focus on the problems that are at hand. The problem that we have the inability to communicate with one another to come up with a process to get better. Because if we don't ever get to this space of realizing that we have solutions together, that some of us has a piece of one side of the puzzle and the other has the other side. And until we bring them together, we're going to stand here at the precipice of another event just like this, months, years, whenever it is. I had the opportunity of talking to a friend of mine just this week who lives in Oxford, Michigan, whose kids went to the high school where they recently had the shooting just a few months ago. And my heart cried out for him, knowing that this community is going to have to relive this moment. See, Uvalde, Texas doesn't ever get to walk away from this event. No matter what school shooting occurs on down the road, no matter what mass shooting occurs, this community will always relive this event. These parents will always relive this event every time it occurs. So at some point, it has to be up to us to begin to have discussions on how we can get better. I believe in the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. However, I think we have to discuss how we can access the arm, these arms. How easy is it for us to get a weapon? How easy is it for us to get maximum amount of ammunition? As if a war is going to spill out onto our front doorsteps tomorrow. I'm trying to remember the movie... Um, it's an older movie and they just remade it where the Russians attack America and, and they land on the so on our soil and these kids, these high school kids uh, fight back and end up winning. Um, I know you're, you know, the, the movie I'm talking about, but can we all be realistic today and realize that that's not going to play out? Can, can we all be realistic and real and think that, you know what? I don't need a arsenal of weapons in my underground bunker to protect my life. I, I want to speak to Christians today because there's so many Christians that tow this line that have these undergrounds. They say that they believe in God and he's got all their, their well-being in his hands, yet they stockpile all of these weapons and they argue politically on the Republican side for these uh, the ability to bear arms. And you know what? It waters down what you confess with your mouth. Do you believe more in those guns and your political desires than you do the God you serve, the God you believe in? It's just as bad on the opposite side when we have people on the Democratic side that does not believe that God has a hand in all of this and, and can take care of us and is operating in this. And 
the political disparity right now, because what I've seen in this event is agenda, agenda, agenda. Everyone's got an agenda. We have an election coming up. And you know how many people who are running for governor, they've seen the governor of Texas and also the governor, the governor candidate for Texas, how they've used this event. They swoop in with the families. They get the camera time. And somebody say, well, they're just trying to, don't give me that crap. We see it time and time again. Every one of these politicians have an agenda and they use these moments to advance their own agenda, to advance their name into the limelight, to get in that space, to get the votes because they say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But you know what they've done? Nothing. We've had Republicans in office. We've had Democrats in office and we still have babies being gunned down in their schools in places where they should have been safe. I'm even frustrated with Christians today because I've seen all on these social media as avenues and aspects that we're, we're, we're not going to pray. What's prayer doing? You know what? We're just not going to, everybody says prayers and thoughts. We need to stop praying and take action. No, we need to pray and take action. All you Christians out there that are sitting in your homes and just praying over this and not doing anything, you're the problem. All those Christians out there that are saying and speaking that, you know, we got to get over it. We can't just pray about this. We got to do it. You're the problem. We need to pray. We need to ask God for the right information. But you know what he's going to do? God's not going to do it for us. He's not. We're not going to sit back on our hands and just say this magical prayer. And God's just going to swoop down and take care of everything. It, he's going to give us the wisdom. He's going to give us a piece of this knowledge that we can make the changes in our community. We need Christian politicians that are not driven by money, that are not driven by D.C., that are not driven by their agendas of their political party. We need somebody to stand up in the Republican and Democratic Party who are Christians to say, you know what? This stuff is not right. We need to be better, and we're only going to be better together. Because Christian Democrats today have a piece of the puzzle. Christian Republicans have a piece of the puzzle, but they have such a line between them of division that they'll never grow together. Maybe this is just an episode of my thoughtful musings today. Because everyone in their mind, whether you're having this with somebody else or not, is having these thoughts in their head. Where do I fall? You're being made to choose. Every conversation you walk into, everybody, whether you know it or not, has a an has a debate, has, has something that they believe in or an opinion, and they're not listening to the people around them. If you own a gun today, I encourage you to have a conversation, not an argument, not a debate with somebody who doesn't. If, if you've been raised around guns and you respect them, I encourage you to have a conversation with somebody who's scared to death of them. Because you both have a piece of this, but I want to talk about even something else that the guns is at the forefront. See, I've never seen that. Well, I can't say that because we have accidents all the curb, but accidents with guns being dropped or all that, but there has to be human action for a gun to take a life. Let's talk about something like mental health. Let's talk about the drugs that were given our kids because of OCD, because of their 
hyperness, all these things that we've now, I don't ever remember when I was growing up in the, in the eighties, there was a lot of people who had attention problems. I did. I was one of those kids that, man, I would read ahead of the teacher and I would get in trouble for talking all the time because she's talking about something and I'm three pages ahead of her. And so I'm going to talk to the people around me who are right along with hers struggling. You know, if I lived in today, there would probably have been uh, a call by the principal of the teachers that you need to take care of him. He has attention deficit disorder. He needs something to focus him in. And I see too many parents who are just willing to throw a drug in a kid's body. And I've seen these kids who are taking this medicine, this Ritalin and stuff. You know what it does to them? It shuts them down. They look like zombies walking around. We have emotionally disabled these kids. That's what these drugs do. They disable their emotions. These games that we allow them to play a lot coupled with these drugs. Do I think uh, video games are the complete answer? Get rid of all the violent. No, I don't think that's going to solve the problem either. But what it does is we see guns in everything that we do. And we have them in the home, which I had them at home. And I watched Westerns growing up with my parents. But I didn't have this numbing of my emotional senses. I didn't have this lack of information and education on the importance of this. I didn't have the lack of education and importance of a value of a life. See, that's what's occurring in our homes, whether we want to get to the point or not, is we have access to guns. Yes, but the things that are changing is our kids are being numbed emotionally to the feeling of people around them. They don't, they can't first socially interact with people. So we've lost the value of life. We take these medicines that numb us to the, the world around us. So we're only focused on internal and just maintaining moment to moment. These games take away, these movies take away the value of life. See, this is the purpose, the problem that we have. The guns are not the problem. It is no one has a value for life anymore. And I want to talk to Christians today because this was the purpose of the Ten Commandments. There's so many of us running away from the word today. So many of us denouncing our faith because of what we think we know about God or what we've been told about God or the fact that we've been hurt by churches. We see all of the problems in the Southern Baptist Convention right now with women being abused. And things being wiped under the rug. I saw a church in Iowa, a video this weekend of a pastor who gets up and admits adultery to his congregation. And everyone claps and says, oh, he's such a good pastor. And I'm thankful that he admitted to it. And he's going to get better. And he's stepping down. But you know what happened next? The woman who he committed this adulterous act with comes to the stage with her husband. And he committed this act beginning when she was 16 years old took her virginity in his office in the church at 16 and continued that relationship for years. Let's talk about the problems that we have. Let's stop whitewashing them. Let's stop pushing them under the rug. And let's have open conversations about how we've messed up. I want to be on the front line as a pastor to admitting the faults and the shame that's occurred in this house and these, these bodies of worship and these places, these beautiful buildings with steeples because they're messed up. And if we can't admit our own faults, then we're only destined to repeat them or alienate the people who have been hurt by them. See, I told you this was maybe just thoughtless ramblings today because my mind is in a million places and I'm wondering how we got here. The Ten Commandments, the whole purpose was relationship, not 
rhetoric, not schedule, not checks in the box, not if you do this, you get this. If it's to restore relationship with a God who loves us, who wants us to be better, who wants us to walk away from some of the broken mindsets that we have, who wants us to walk away from sin. And we can argue and, and talk about that all day. Yes, there's sin and there's Christians who are living in sin, who have continued to walk it out and say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Stop saying that. Stop being a sinner. Want to be better. Stop trying to shove scripture down people's throats who don't know God. See, there's things in my life that I had a part of me when I first met Jesus. I hit him. I didn't tell anybody. But you know what? As I got closer to him, as I learned more about him, I got to a space where I wanted to lay them down. No one had to talk me into it. That was the purpose of the invitation of Jesus to the disciples. I want to walk. I want you to walk through life with me. I, I want you to experience me relationally. I want you to see what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And gradually they begin to lay pieces of them down. They begin to let go of sinful natures. They begin to let go of what they had known. See, we meet people at the door of a church and say, you have to get rid of this, this, and this before you can even come in. Or the moment we see them, we change our sermons to fit the sins that they carry in. Yet we've neglected and glossed over the sins that have dwelled in the church for years. We don't talk about sex. And I'm not talking homosexuality. Yeah, we talk about that a lot in the church. But we don't talk about the purpose of healthy mindsets on sex. We just tell you don't do it before you get married. We don't talk about the why behind it. We don't talk about the whys in a marriage that you shouldn't uh, use sex for currency. See, all of these things come back to this place of value. Value. How much do we value ourselves? We're, we're wishy-washy with even who we are. We allow people to tell us who we are and who we're not. We allow our emotions to tell us who we are and who we're not. Doesn't matter if you're married. If a good-looking woman or a good-looking man looks at you uh, and maybe winks at you, you find value in that moment. And slowly, if you're very, if you're not careful, you can begin to look for that in the value because maybe your spouse doesn't value 30 years later than she did the day or he did the day that you said I do. So now you begin to look for value in the eyes of somebody else. Maybe you've been hurt by someone of the same or the opposite sex. So you begin to look for value in other places. See, this is the problem overall is the lack of value. This is why in the Ten Commandments that God said, first, you need to know me. I created you. I love you. And I have a purpose for you. But if you don't know me and trust me and trust my value, then you'll never see your value as an image of me, as a piece of the puzzle. And you'll never understand the value of your neighbor who is the other piece of the puzzle. See, I struggle today because my heart cries out for these young kids who didn't have a say in the matter, who've never got a chance to vote, who've never got a chance to voice 
how we make a change or sit across the table and have a conversation about a change, sit in a forum to say, you know what, we've got to do something different. They never got that opportunity. My heart cries out for these parents who wish they could have changed some things, who wish they would have voted for this person or said this or spoke up or maybe just even held their kid out of school that day. My heart cries out for the family of this gunman. They're probably questioning today, what could I have done? What could I have seen? How could I have changed this event? These are the questions that remain. How did we get here? We stopped talking and we started arguing. We stopped inviting different mindsets because we were convinced we were right. We stopped looking for answers because someone told us that this would fix it all. And then we focused all of our resources on that. I don't know what side of the line you're on today. I don't know if you own a gun or you don't. I don't know if you value your neighbor or not. I don't know if you know this God that I'm talking about who loves you. And I don't care. We've got to do better. We've got to begin to have conversations. We've got to tear down the wall that separated us. We have to start holding our politicians accountable for the things they say on election day. We find ourselves in the red in a lot of areas today. But you know what? I want to read some scripture. And I know you hear what you're saying. Oh, Lord, here we go. Philippians 4, 6. This is prayer. So Christians, I'm going to speak this over you and you better listen. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If you're praying for hope today, you better be open to the moment that God tells you it's time for you to be hope. It's time for you to make a difference in your community. It's time for you to stand up for those who have been pushed down and walked over. It's time for you to be the voice for those who don't have a voice. If you have control and power and authority in your community, in your business, then you better start making a difference with it. If you have financial resources, then you better start making a difference with it. Stop praying for God to do something when you've been equipped with things that can move the needle. We have to get better. We have to strive for something to do. We have to see ourselves as part of the problem and part of the solution. James 2, 14 through 17 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but it does not but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. See, there's too many people today who have the ability to move the needle that are saying, I'll just pray for you. I'm believing for something better for you. Hopefully God will step in and make a difference. But maybe he puts you in that space. Maybe he puts you in that moment to be the difference maker. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus could have done all this by himself. If we truly believe that God was God in person, he could have came down like a rock star. He didn't need to use a woman. He didn't need to be born. He could have come down like a rock star, lights, glam, all the explosions and fireworks, did what he needed to do and go back up to earth. Marvel superhero style. 
but instead he took the humble route. Born into this earth by a normal woman, walked through a normal childhood, got to adulthood and went and picked 12 normal, unassuming guys, teenagers by most accounts, and said, let's go. Let's live a life worthy. Let's live a life that demonstrates value. Let me restore the value of you so that you can carry this to others. Christians, I'm asking you today, what's more important? Your gun, your politics, your agendas, or is it the access that you've been given? the access to the one who knows you better than anyone, the access to people who need to experience the love and the grace and the mercy that you've received. No, you don't have to water it down. You don't have to change the scripture to fit somebody's lifestyle, but you also don't have to shove it down their throat. I'm challenging us today, church. It's not a time to run away from prayer. It's even not a time to run away from these buildings, but we need to reevaluate what we're doing with them. When we pray for something, stop praying for something that you're not willing to do. Stop praying for someone to do something that you're not willing to get up and be a part of a movement. Stop waiting for somebody to do what you've been called to do. Stop retreating back to these buildings on a Sunday just to get a flowery message to help push push us through another week. Let's start talking about the hard topics. Let's start moving as a body together. See, there's a purpose in these buildings. It is to come and to be grown so that we can walk out of these buildings and be world shakers and and needle movers and ground breakers and really making a difference in the world around us. Take off your religious robes. Remove your religious titles. That crap don't matter. You don't have to tell me you're a Christian. Show me you're a Christian. I don't care how much scripture you know. What are you doing with it? Don't tell me that this is right and this is wrong when I see you struggling and I see you not doing anything with this access to this God that you say uh, loves me and cares for me and has all this power. Don't come to me with all this scripture when you ain't doing jack with what you got. That's where I'm at as a pastor. I'm holding myself accountable today. I want to change the narrative. I want to open us up to a different thought process. See, I know a God who is life, who is love, who is truth, who is the light. And we don't get to negotiate any part of that. But maybe somebody needs to know him as love before they'll accept him as truth. Someone who's in a dark place needs to see him as light before they can ever realize that they're worthy of his love Some people who's at the end of their rope needs to know that they have access to this life through this truth. See, God is all of these things. He doesn't sacrifice one for the other. He doesn't get to be all love and no truth. He doesn't get to be all truth and all love. He is life, love, truth, and light. This is the God we need to share. I encourage you today to be in thoughts and prayers for those that are hurt. But if you have a voice, then then open up your mouth. If you have a position where you can make a difference, then stand up. We'll do this together. Thank you for being with me today. 
Thank you for listening to these thoughts. I hope it's challenged something in you. I hope it's pushed you to get out of your bubble of comfort. I hope it's even pushed you to get out of your prayer closet and do with some do something with what you're praying about. Find someone today and hug a neck. If you're a mama or daddy, hug your babies tight and let them know that there's things that happen like this out there in the world. We need to be prepared. But we can't sit idly by and continue to do the same things and expect a different response. God bless, and we'll see you again next time.